Welcome to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in the workplace. My name is Peter Larkham, and today we've been talking with Emma Tones. In 2010, she lost her eldest son's dad to poor mental health. So now Emma has become a mum on a mission to prevent poor mental health. And on Suicide Awareness Day, this was never going to be an easy topic to discuss. Yet it has become clear to me that talking is key. And Emma's top point is as a leader, people are watching you. Are you looking after your own mental health and your well-being? So here's my conversation with Emma Tones on Suicide Awareness Day. So welcome to the first Mentality Meets, season two. I honestly had no intention of ever doing anything like this. uh, And yet here I am starting season two. uh, And we have guests lined up from now right through to, to Christmas, which is really quite exciting. So we finish on the 17th of December with our last guest. And it's going to be another fantastic journey, hearing lots of people's stories as we go through this time together. So Mentality Meets, what is it? We have 30 minutes to have this conversation. Uh, and today I am met by Emma Tone. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Fantastic. As you go through this, Mentality Meets is a conversation about mental health. It's the good, the bad and the ugly. So I have no idea what your personal history is. I don't know anything about you and I don't know what the context of your world is. Therefore, it's World Suicide Awareness Day today. I have an an impression that we're going to be talking about some of the more bad stuff in the context of mental health. And so I want you just to be aware of what's going on inside of you. If you need help and support, may I firstly encourage you to contact the Samaritans on 116-123. You can also text SHOUT to 85258 and somebody will get back in contact with you and offer you help and support. But also what we promote on Mentality Meets is the hubofhope.co.uk. Now this is very much a UK provision, but you can put your postcode into that website and it will give you the mental health provision in your local area. This is fascinating and brilliant if you're supporting people on the other side of the country because it means you can put their postcode in and it will show you the mental health support and provision in their local area. And so as we go through this time, please be aware of what's going on inside of you. If you feel like this is a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more personal than you're expecting it to be, please can we encourage you to get in contact with someone sooner than later. Okay, so... uh, Emma, we're going to be talking with you, and what I'd like to do is just ask you at this point, can you just give us an introduction to who you are, what your journey has been, and kind of why you and I are talking on Mentality Meets today? So Emma, it is over to you. Hi. Um, So I guess kind of introduction to me is that I spent most of my career working as a learning and development person, Um, and then I was put on furlough, which was which was really tricky because I'm the kind of person that uses work as a coping mechanism to get through life. So that was really, really challenging. So I decided to spend my time um, setting up my own Facebook group to offer to support to other people. And then I did quite a lot of voluntary work as well within mental health. And then from there, it's just kind of gone <laughs> on and on. Um, and I get to meet all kinds of great people like yourself, Peter. So yeah, um, I guess, 
you know, as difficult as furlough and then redundancy was, it's been really great for me to get to know more people within the kind of mental health sector, which has been great. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and so we are on Suicide Awareness Day, and this is what connected you and I. And it was actually you that kind of forced my hand on the <laughs> let's do a season two, because you said, oh, but we could do it on uh, yeah. the Suicide Awareness Day. And so can you just tell us why, why today? Why is mm. this a topic that is close to your heart? Yeah, I mean, a number of reasons, but the, I guess the one that's screaming out loudest to me right now is um, 10 years ago, we lost my son's dad to poor mental health. And at that time, he, I mean, he was, he was very young. He was 12, 13 years old. And he just said to me, mum, what can we do? What can we do to make sure this doesn't happen to somebody else? Um, let's set up a charity. Let's do something like that. And for me, I mean, I was just trying to wrap my head around the fact that we just lost this incredibly important person in my son's life and my friend. I, I couldn't process that. I couldn't deal with that. And the worst thing, being a mum, is not being able to give your son what they ask you for. So 10 years down the line, I feel like I've been through quite a lot and I've done my mental health first aider um, course and it just feels like I can't sit back and not do anything anymore. I need to talk about what happened and I need to help uh, to prevent poor mental health wherever I can. So, and that's why I kind of, I use this hashtag that really resonates with me, which is mum on a mission. I just feel like I'm on this mission um, and I'm not always sure I'm doing the right things, uh, but surely doing something is better than doing nothing. So yeah, that's where my head's at. <laughs> Because one thing that uh, you and I were talking about, Emma, is that you were saying that while you were supporting your son's dad, you, were, you, you felt like you did everything wrong. Uh, oh, yeah. And now that you've kind of done all the training, you feel like, oh, there's mm. so much things that I shouldn't have done or could have done mm. differently. And uh, can you kind of talk us through those points for us? Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's hard to admit that you've done something wrong, particularly when the consequences are so severe. I didn't know what to do. So my son's Dad was very poorly and um, had made various attempts to, to take his life. And at that, that point, I didn't, you know, you are literally scrabbling for what, what do you say? So, you, you know, I was at the, I was, you know, I went from the point of, you know, please don't do this. Please don't do this to, to me and, my, you know, our son and we need you. So I went into kind of guilt and shame, which, you know, I now know was not the right thing to do. And then I would get angry and I, you know, I'd, I'd get mad at him. Um, and, you know, you're almost kind of like, where well, you, you almost want to shake somebody. You want to shake it out of them because you just desperately want that person to be in your life. And you know that the hole that they're going to leave behind. So, I guess there was a part of me that was curious where after what had happened and, and eventually we did lose um, my son's dad, that I was curious as to what could I have done differently. And I think working in learning and development, that's a natural thing, right? You, you know, after you do something, it's like, how could I have done that differently? What, what else could I have done? Where, where could I have gone? And then I did the mental health first aid course and that was just like, wow, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of getting to learn more. And then more recently, I did a um, suicide first aid course as well. So now I realize 
how to have that conversation and the fact that and I now look back on it and I go actually do you know what what we did we had an open conversation and he was comfortable talking to me about what he was contemplating doing so I had got I I, I had actually done a good job in the fact that he was open to talking to me and who knows if I I mean we did we did get him support who knows? Who knows what could have happened? But I think the key thing for me was that I've learned so much through that process. It just feels right to go and, and talk and share with other people how important it is to get it right and to have those conversations and not be afraid to have those conversations. So that's probably been the biggest thing for me. And so this is one of those moments I want to uh, put the question out to the, to the audience, <laughs> which is, have you ever had a conversation uh, with somebody who may be struggling with mental health or you know what just a conversation with somebody and it's not until you look back in hindsight and you're like oh my gosh mm-hmm. I probably said all the wrong things or there could have been a much better way of me kind of structuring this conversation have you ever had those conversations that's kind of a question out to the audience because I know that there have been questions mm-hmm. uh, conversations that I've had that it, it's so easy to get get caught into the but why, but what, and, and kind mm-hmm. of the, the blame and the guilt and all those things that you were just saying. And I suppose kind of in the conversation around Suicide Awareness Day is how do we encourage people just to have the conversation, not to be afraid mm-hmm. of the conversation? Mm-hmm. Because if we're not careful, we stop ourselves because we fear we're going to say the wrong thing. Yeah. And so how do we actually get the message that it's okay we just need to get the conversation started. And so is there any kind of words of wisdom or words of thoughts that you can give our, our audience about how to get the conversation started or, or how to not be afraid of it? Absolutely. I think um, it's really vital to have the conversation and to really, truly listen, even though there's going to be some things that you might not want to hear that that person says but really listening because sometimes it's not until you say something out loud that you truly process it yourself and it's not until you talk to someone that you realize that there are other options so and I I truly believe that my son's dad just did not see that there were other options and and you know we are talking about 10 years ago and you know one of the things that that stands out really clearly in the conversations that we were having was I'll never get a job again. I'll never work again because of the experiences that he was going through and, and the help that he was, he was needing. And I, you know, I know we've moved on in 10 years. I still think there's a lot of work that we need to do. So I think people having a conversation then opens them up to then options and pausing before they make that decision. So sometimes just talking can really help. So another conversation that we, we touched on before was the lack of support that mm. you felt was available, not only kind of through your workplace and the support that you received, but actually just support for your son. And uh, another thing that you wanted to talk about was, and I'm going to get it wrong, so uh, <laughs> fill this in for me, but there's, a, there's a, a charity that you're pushing at the moment, and I saw it on your LinkedIn page, and I would love to ask you about that. I want to call it Winston's Wish. That's right, uh, Winston's Wish. Aha, okay, <laughs> let's, go, let's go for Winston's Wish. Tell us more about, about that and why it's important. Yeah, I mean, when I think back to it now, it was kind of like, okay, that's happened, you know, and just keep swimming and we'll get my son back into school. And, you know, everyone was saying to us, 
just carry on like normal. Just just carry on like normal. <laughs> and now just saying that is making you think, wow, no wonder, you know, I was pushing all of this stuff down. It's no wonder it came out later on down the line. So we were told by, you know, the, the people around us and, and, and supporting us. And I think that was only because they didn't know what support we needed. It was kind of like, you know, let's just get on with this. Let's keep going. Let's, you know, do you want your son to then miss out on school? So it was just kind of keep, keep going. And then the later effects of that are not great. So what I love, and, and I, was, I was looking for, okay, so we're 10 years down the line now. Tell me something has changed. Tell me that if someone like my son at 12, 13 years old, that there is some kind of support in place that goes, right, you are a child that has just lost a parent due to poor mental health, which we know increases his risk of poor mental health in the future. Let's put a preventative measure in. I'm not convinced that's there. So what we have to do is we have to raise awareness of organisations like Winston's Wish so people know that if they are in that situation, that there are charities and communities that can support because they're not going to be offered on a plate that's that's something i you know from talking to other families that i've experienced so the more we can be aware of it and we can talk about it then if this situation were to occur more families will get support i guess the ultimate aim is that families aren't put in this situation you know the ultimate aim is to prevent it from from happening in the first support place but I think we've got a long journey to go with that. So again, audience, a quick question out to you. Um, do you know of any charities or any trusts or any uh, provision that's available for people who are being impacted by mental health? And let's go for bereavement specifically. So uh, again, whether it's bereavement through suicide or bereavement through uh, the loss of someone uh, because of mental health illnesses. My number one concern I, I say number one concern i don't think it is my number one concern but it's definitely high up there but as we see the kind of furlough process ending uh, mm. and as we see the potential for redundancies increasing and the impacts that that then has on people's mental health and, and the statistics that are rife in mm. in in this field it is my concern yeah. of so what are we beginning what are we going to be looking at in the context of December, January. And what I've begun to realize is that I get into a real funk, uh, a proper head funk, because when we're talking about mental health, that's kind of where the conversation goes to, you know, mm. and we go on a, ment on, a, on a first aid course to learn how to resuscitate someone in the case of an emergency. How do we save someone's life? Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, that's where kind of the mental health first aid course really does come in because you go on the two day course and you learn how to reach out to someone uh, and mm -hmm. talk to someone. Um, and some of the stuff that's coming out is Papyrus, uh, which is a charity mm -hmm. for young people. Uh, Mind is also there. Cruise and in Fordingbridge. So I'm glad someone's kind of put in in Fordingbridge about um, the arts clinic who provide kind of bereavement counselling and services. And so in different areas, you'll find these things. Again, kind of the hub of hope.co.uk is a great source to, to look for to actually kind of try and find this help and support. Now, another thing that I want to raise in the context of this is the Employee Assistance Programme, which I know is banged on a lot by mental health first aiders across the country. But the Employee Assistance Programme is, for most people, the quickest way of accessing counselling in the UK at the moment. And you need to go through your workplace 
Some people's workplace have it, some people's workplace don't have it. And so this is about asking HR, asking your line managers, do we have an employee assistance program, find the details and get in contact with them. Because you can access counselling within about two weeks, mm. you know. That, you that's what I did. Um, I've just been through my redundancy. Now, I used our EPA about two and a half years ago when I was um, experiencing depression and then as a preventative to avoid going back into depression through my redundancy, I decided to, and it was kind of a bit of a like, I'm going to, I'm going to get what I can before I leave kind of thing. <laughs> so rather than taking the counselling as a kind of um, crisis point, I thought, let's try and do something preventative. So I used the EPA through my employer. And honestly, I, I you know, I know counselling isn't for everyone. I totally get that. And a lot of it is based on what counsellor you get and, and all of that and whether you're in the right headspace to start with. But for me, that second time having the counselling, it felt more like coaching. And it was like, and I just had this moment of, gosh, you know, why, did, why can't we make counselling as cool as having a coach at work? Like, why can't, how can we change that? And, and if we can, if we can ask your, your amazing audience that question, like, how do we get, change that perception on counselling? Because that's the difference it's had on my life is, you know, it, it's been good and I've enjoyed it. So yeah, I think EPA is really cool. And I'm, I'm a bit of a get what you can value for money type person as well. So I'm like, take what you can get, you know? I mean, one of the, one of the statements just come through is that I, I describe it to people as a personal trainer for your mental fitness, which I yeah. think is a brilliant, brilliant way of kind of putting it. Um, because I mean, yeah, physical health, we get it. Mental health, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I don't think we get it. Not fully. Yeah. I still don't get it. I've been delivering training for the, for 10 years. I've, I've trained tens of thousands of people and I was saying to you earlier that the context of our mental health with the whole COVID Mm -hmm. lockdown and the situation has shifted the baseline I think for Mm -hmm. for mental health and the impact that it's having on people and I'm pretty sure that most of us if not all of us have experienced our mental health more in these last six months than ever before. Mm -hmm. And so it is about kind of reaching out and other, other things that have come out, kind of open ears, which is for teachers to teach children about loss, which I think is brilliant. SOBS, which is uh, www.uksobs.org from Zandeep. Thanks for that. And there's just, yeah, uh, <laughs> so much stuff. And you can see now why I like pulling in everyone's conversations as we go through this, because mm. there's so much good stuff uh, on the chat bar. But Emma, another kind of question which I, I wanted to ask you is the context of, in your bio and the way that we've been kind of talking about it, you've been talking about your, your son's dad. Yes. Um, and in our time at the beginning, I was like, why, why do you kind of talk about this person as your, your son's dad? And can you just kind of give us a little bit of a, a kind of insight into your reasoning behind it? Because I think it's such a, it's really, it's brilliant. So just, just give us a little bit of a, <laughs> okay. a kind of... Okay. So I guess for me, I want to put the emphasis on the fact that it was my son that has had the greatest loss in, in my situation. So it's, it's, it's about putting the emphasis on the, the loss of a dad, because for me, being a mum and watching this unfold for my son in my son's life has been the hardest thing through this situation. So my son's dad is called Jeff and we were friends from I was about 12 when we first became friends and we had 
our son, I was probably about 15, 16 when I fell pregnant. And then we lived together and then we went our separate ways. We obviously stayed in contact for our son and we both got remarried into different relationships. And unfortunately, it's weird how the world works, but our marriages um, started to break down about the same time. And he was there for me, as he always has been, as an amazing friend. And I'll never forget some of the things that he said to me, just silly, silly little things that just really picked me up when I was going through my divorce. And I was trying to do the same for him and his, his relationship breakdown. So I guess my loss is of a friend. I lost a very close friend and, you know, that still is really difficult today. But the hardest loss for me is seeing the fact that my son doesn't have his dad today. So he's getting married next year and I'm so incredibly proud of him. He's, he's made, he's had so many achievements so far in his life. He's 22, um, passed a really good, great apprenticeship um, and is getting married next year. And, you know, not, being able to share that with his dad, it breaks my heart, if I'm honest mm. with you. So the emphasis for me is really on my son's loss. And that's, that hurts me as a mum more than losing a friend. Yeah, no, thank you. And as we kind of draw this to, to a close, I want you to imagine that you're standing in a room full of leaders, okay. leaders in the workplace, leaders in industries, and our, our audience here today. And I want to ask you, what would you want to say to, to people just around the globe, really, mm-hmm. about this topic and about taking it seriously and offering all these amazing things? I'm going to ask you just for a, a very quick summing up, if it's possible, um, <laughs> of basically kind of this, you've got, you got a whole auditorium of people. What would you like to say? Okay. Well, first of all, I'd say put your phone down and <laughs> make sure you're not checking your emails <laughs> and really listen to me because you really don't realize how much of a role model you are, Mr. or Mrs. Leader. You are a huge role model, which means if you are not living and breathing positive mental health strategies, it's highly unlikely the people that work for you will be. So first of all, look after yourself and live by positive strategies for your mental health and then others will follow you. And then my my second thing really is learn how to talk about mental health, learn what is helpful and learn what isn't helpful and just keep learning and keep having conversations and be empathetic and validate how people are feeling around you. Those those would be kind of like my key asks, I think. (laughs) What a great interview with Emma. I love that it's not a bad thing to talk about suicide even if you think you're going to say all the wrong things. I talk about mental health and suicide crisis a lot, but it is clear that when getting the conversation to men, we need to go to where they are. And don't be afraid. So next week we have Emmanuel Jal, whose start in life was as a child soldier in the war-torn region of southern Sudan. We'll be speaking about how he specifically overcame his traumas and reclaimed his mind. Also, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps get the word out and the link is in the show notes. So thanks again for listening to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace.